Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hi there and welcome to the Sonic Society. I'm your host, David Alt. Unfortunately, Jack can't be with us because he's busily slaying the demons of studio malfunctions and the beasts of upcoming exams. And yes, those are very nasty critters. And tonight, in the vein of things cruel and echoing from the past, we bring a full feature from AMFM Theatre and The Grist Mill from Scott Hickey. The Grist Mill is an excellent horror series, and we all know how much I love horror, and we love the opportunity to present it on the Sonic Society when we can. Tonight's feature, Bluebeard's Door, is no exception. But before we go down into that terror-filled alley, I have to ask one thing. Have you figured out what you're doing for Nadsrim this year? Jack's got Philippa Graves all set up, but what do you fancy? Is it a feature two-hour show? Ten-part series that's 15, 30 minutes, an hour in length? Let us know whatever it is, your Nadsrim goals, and also let us know how we can help you with them. But for now, let's take a turn to the macabre as we go to the grist mill and Bluebeard's door, right here on the Sonic Society. At the moment of our death, we are set upon the path that leads us to our final destination. For some, this path leads into the light. But for the wretched souls who descend down into the darkness, their path leads them here. The Grist Mill. Okay, Dad. Okay. Sure, I promise. I said I promise, so I promise. We'll be there as soon as we can. Yes. Yes! All right. Goodbye. That sounded important. Why does your father need to be bothering us at 8 o'clock in the morning? I don't know, Raymond. He wouldn't tell me on the phone. He just made me promise we'd stop by today. Today? Don, this is my first day off from the university in almost three weeks. Can't you call him back and tell him we have plans? Plans? Your plans were to read the newspaper and watch the Cubs doubleheader. And relax. That's what today is supposed to be for. I was supposed to relax. I've been killing myself at work getting the new folklore studies ready to be added to the fall curriculum. I know, honey, but you know how Dad can be. He's so, so... Overbearing? I was thinking more along the lines of insistent. Seriously, now. Call him back and tell him we have plans today. I can't. I promised. Besides, he especially wants you there. Me? Why? I told you he wouldn't tell me anything over the phone. He just wants us there, especially you, and he wants us to use the back entrance. The back entrance? What for? There's only one way to find out. Go take your shower and let's get going.
Okay, we're at your father's back door. We see what he wants to show us. Then we leave, right? Raymond, you have to get over this fear you have of my father. He's not an ogre. Are you sure? You're not funny. I wasn't trying to be. Why don't you go ahead and knock on the door? You be nice. I'm always nice. I mean it, Raymond. If you cause trouble... Dawn! Glad you're here. And Ray. You're gonna love what I have to show you. You really are. Dawn told me you especially wanted me to be here? Absolutely true, Ray. This is definitely something you'll be excited about, and I'll tell you. Well, no sense standing around out here. Come on in. The two of you are probably wondering why all the cloak and dagger stuff. Well, you are being a little more mysterious than usual, Dad. Uh, trust me, honey. It's for a good reason. What is it? What do you want us to see? Patience, Ray. Patience. All in good time. But you wanted us to hurry. I think what Raymond is trying to say is, he's as eager to see what you have as you are to show him. Yeah, that's all I meant. Well, uh, all right then, but, uh, follow me. This way. What did I just tell you outside? He's calling me Ray again. He knows I hate that. Just ignore it. He's trying to do something nice by including you in this. Including me in what? I don't have a clue as to what's going on. If you two will stop arguing and follow me into the study, I'll explain everything. Wow, your old man's study. We've never been invited in here. Look at all this stuff. I had no idea your father was so interested in the occult. This stuff always gave me the creeps as a little girl. He was always picking up books on ghosts or witches or bizarre legends. My mom hated this stuff when she was alive. He must have over 500 books in here, all on the supernatural. He has the beginning of a wonderful library in here. Raymond, please, don't encourage him. This kind of thing isn't healthy. Why? There's nothing here that can hurt anyone. It's like I tell my students. As long as you don't believe it can have an effect on you, the supernatural can't hurt you. This stuff is all legend and superstition. That's exactly how I tried to explain things to Dawn's mother. Oh, hey, I brought us some refreshments. I have some iced tea and chocolate chip cookies. Sorry, they're store-bought and the tea is instant, but... Well, my wife was the one with the kitchen talents. You do fine, Dad. Don't put yourself down. Mmm. These are very good. They're just like my mom used to make. Dad, really? What did you call us over here to see? Now, please, Don. Allow your old man some fun. This is wonderful news for me. All right, Dad. As you know... Last year has been hard on me since your mother was taken by cancer. I appreciate the attention you, both of you, gave me during that time, but, but I was still lonely. A big void was left in my life when your mother died, and I needed something to fill that void. Oh, my God, you're getting married, aren't you? <laughs> oh, no, sweetheart, no, no, I'm not getting married. No matter how long I live, I'll never do that again. But I thought you loved Mom. Of course I did, Dawn. I loved her very much, but but you knew her. She could be a little, well, uh, controlling at times, and uh, we shared some interests, the theater, nature walks, but there was no way I could interest her in the occult. Dad, you're not planning to start that up again. It's bad enough you've already brought some of these trinkets into the house. But are you really planning to travel the world and visit Stonehenge and Lourdes and the Bermuda Triangle? Don, I'm much too old to go globetrotting. <sighs> well, that's a relief. Instead, as you've already observed, I've decided to bring the occult here. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Sometimes, Don, you really remind me of your mother. What do you mean? She never really understood me. I'm talking about starting a collection. I have a great many years left in me, and I want to do something that will leave a mark on this old world. 
I'm going to put together one of the greatest collections of occult memorabilia, and when I die, it'll go to a university. That's a wonderful idea. Raymond, how can you agree with this? This supernatural stuff bothered my mother. She couldn't sleep with any of it under her roof. It bothers me just knowing it's here. Dawn, it's something your father's interested in, and I think it's great that he wants to devote his time and energy to it. Dad, I'm begging you to reconsider. How's it going to look to the neighbors, to your friends? You'll be the old cuckoo believes in UFOs and crop circles. Is that what you want? Calm down, honey. It's not going to be like that at all. I'm going to create the collection, and when I go to join your mother, I'll have a legacy to leave. I thought I was your legacy. Don, try to be happy for your father. Remember how worried you were about him when your mom died? Look at how happy this is making him. Sir, I'm happy for you. Anything I can do to help, don't hesitate to call. I thought you'd feel that way, Ray. Now, are you ready for the surprise? You mean this news wasn't it? Far from it, honey. If the two of you will follow me to the front parlor, I'll show you the first major piece of my collection. Well, this is it. This is the reason I didn't want you to come in the front door. A door. It's not just any door, Don. Is this what I think it is? I thought you'd recognize it, Ray. All I see is a door. A big, wooden door. Don, this is Bluebeard's door. Bluebeard? Who was he? Some kind of pirate? Bluebeard was a powerful landowner in France. He owned a castle, but he was kind of a miser. He didn't like to share anything. He also had a little problem with keeping his wives alive. What are you talking about? Bluebeard enjoyed his power as a lord and landowner. He was also a sadist, and he enjoyed testing his wives. He told them that they could go anywhere in the castle, except behind a certain door. This door. If he didn't want his wives to look behind this door, why didn't he just keep it locked? He did. He also gave them a key to test them when it came to following his instructions. Each of them succumbed to temptation and looked behind the door. And what if they did? It would be the last thing they'd ever see. What was behind the door? Nobody knows for sure, but legend says it was the heads of his former wives. That's disgusting. Dad, why in God's name would you want something like that in this house? It's what I'm interested in. Humor your father. I can't believe you were lucky enough to get something like this. It's cursed, you know. Cursed? cursed? Didn't you know? The legend also says Bluebeard put a curse on all of his belongings. It said that anyone who tries to take what rightfully belongs to him runs the risk of having Bluebeard's ghost come looking for it. That's ridiculous. It is to us, but to the thousands of people who actually believe in the power of the occult, it's not. And that's what I find most interesting. What are you saying? You don't believe in the stuff you want to collect? Honey, there's a big difference in being gullible and being interested. Just because I find these, these uh, artifacts intriguing doesn't mean I take all of the stories surrounding them as factual. Then why do you want to fill the house with these things? I mean, when it gets dark, isn't it all going to give you the creeps no matter what you believe in? I haven't had the creeps since I was five years old. And there's nothing in the night that isn't there in the daytime. Besides, once this collection is complete, people will come from all over to see it. And the first thing they'll see is Bluebeard's cursed door. Imagine what else they're going to find once they enter the house. Dad, this stuff really scares me. I wish you'd reconsider this collection idea. Dawn, there's nothing to worry about. Your father is a grown man who wants to indulge in a hobby. Who's to say in a year or so this whole idea won't be anything more than a memory? Raymond's right. You shouldn't worry. I can't help but worry. Dad, it's obvious you don't know what you're doing. These artifacts, as you call them, aren't something to play with. It's one thing to have an interest. It's another thing entirely to want to bring this stuff into the house. There will be trouble. Honey, honey, it's all right. Now just calm down. I won't do it. If it's going to upset you this much, I won't do it. Really? Do you mean it, Dad? 
If it means that much to you, yes, I'll stop. Now, would you have any objections to a library of occult books? No, I guess that'd be okay. Then that will be my legacy. But what am I going to do about this door? Sell it. Better yet, burn it. If it's cursed, it should be destroyed. Dawn, curses are nothing more than superstitions. This door can't hurt anyone. Besides, 99% of all paranormal activity can be explained. Okay, but what about the last 1%? You sure the two of you won't stay for dinner? We can't, Dad. They're forecasting thunderstorms for this evening, and I don't like to drive in the rain. Then let Ray drive. You haven't driven with her in a while, have you, sir? It's all turn here, slow down, pass that idiot. Stop it, I'm not that bad. No, you're not. Well, sir, thanks for showing me the door. Well, I've wanted to do that since you first started dating my daughter. <laughs> okay, well, we better get going. I love you, Dad. This house gets so quiet. I wish Don and Raymond had stayed for dinner. Would have loved some conversation over good food. Well, there's always the radio. Storm currently moving into our area is reportedly bringing with it strong winds, dangerous lightning, and damaging hail. Motorists are being advised to seek shelter immediately as reports of shattered windshields and overturned semi-trailers are being left in the wake of the storm. This is a very strong system, folks, so if you don't have to travel anywhere tonight, your best bet is remain in your homes till the worst is past. That should be sometime around midnight. We now return you to the smooth sounds of WAKD. Oh, boy, this is going to be a bad night. Hope Don and Raymond are okay. Maybe I'll call them, just to make sure. Dad's okay. Maybe I should call him. I'm sure he's fine. That old house of his was built to last. It can handle anything Mother Nature decides to throw at him. You're right. I'm sure you're right. Still, I... It's that door, isn't it? It's got you worried. I can't help it, Raymond. That kind of stuff really scares me. Then by all means, call him. I want you to feel at ease, but don't blame me if you feel ridiculous when you find out everything's all right. I might feel ridiculous, but at least I'll feel better. Hello? Hello? Operator? Hello? Huh? Looks like the phone's out. Well, I guess I'll have to wait till morning to reach Don. Meanwhile... Might as well gather some candles. If the phone's out, power can't be far behind. Were you able to get your dad on the phone? No, the phone just keeps ringing and ringing. Even the answering machine doesn't pick up. I hope dad's all right. I'm sure he's fine. The Stromps probably knocked down a phone line along with the power lines that are down all over the place. Try him again in the morning. Let's go to bed. I'm going to keep trying for a while. Suit yourself. They say you shouldn't use a telephone during a lightning storm. Lightning can travel through the phone lines, you know. Only you would find something else for me to worry about when I'm already concerned about my dad. Hey, what a husband's for. Oh, boy. Sounds like the storm's worse than the forecaster said it was going to be. Is, is that the front door? Who could, uh, could be at the door in a storm like this?
get your dad on the phone? No, it's just ringing and ringing. Not even the answering machine. <sighs> the lines are probably down. Come to bed. We'll try them again in the morning. If there's still no answer, we'll drive out and see him. Okay? Okay, Raymond. This can't be happening. This isn't real. Who's there? Answer me. Who is there? Oh, good God. It's the curse. It's his curse. It's Let me see if I have this right. When you and your wife didn't get an answer by the phone this morning, the two of you drove here to check on your father-in-law? Yes, officer. My wife wanted to drive out last night, but the storm was just too severe. And you did the right thing staying home. From the look of things, I don't think there was anything you could have done. It appears he died quickly. Can you tell me what may have caused his death? I've seen this a few times in my career. It seems like he was scared to death. Well, that's actually a rarity. The face contorts, then the victim is in extreme pain. Luckily, a severe heart attack usually brings about a mercifully quick death. I guess we can take some comfort in that. Well, chances are, even if your father-in-law had been in the hospital when this happened, he probably wouldn't have survived. But if we'd stayed for dinner, maybe, maybe... Honey, the officer is right. There wasn't anything we could have done. But there was something we could have done. You know that. Uh, what are you talking about? It's, it's nothing. Just something we found when we got here. Are you talking about the damage to the front door? Yes. Well, that was done by a large tree limb that had broken loose during the storm. Every time the wind blew, it slammed the limb into the door. The thing was hanging by a shred of bark, and I had it pulled down before it fell on someone and had the door secured in the frame. I'm sure it sounded like a giant was banging on the front door while the storm was raging. And that's what killed him. What do you mean, ma'am? He killed my father. He was coming back for his property. Don, that's not true. Your father didn't believe in the legends. He killed him. I know he did. He wants what's his and he won't stop until he gets it. He wants his door and he'll keep coming back until he does. What are you talking about? This door? The front door? It's him. He's back. It's Bluebeard. Can the source of evil be an everyday object? Can a book, a chair, or a door hold evil like a charged up battery? Who can say? But I might suggest that you take a second look at everything around you with a careful eye. You may be surprised at what you see. Bluebeard's Door was written by Bob Medea and starred Kimberly Forbes, Steve Botello, Don DeMay, and Doug Weeks. Music by Hollis Higgins. Sound design by Scott Higgins. Our visit together tonight is about over, and you may consider yourself fortunate that you can leave here. Those who remain must continue to reap the bitter harvest they have sown. A task that will go on forever. Here at the Gristmill.
the moment of our death, we are set upon the path that leads us to our final destination. For some, this path leads into the light. But for the wretched souls who descend down into the darkness, their path leads them here. The Grist Mill. Welcome to the darkest place known to man. A place of never-ending pain, and a place filled with endless regrets. Have you ever watched a casket being buried? Have you ever wondered what the grave diggers don't let you see? Here, then, is a taste of one of death's greatest mysteries, Grave Diggers Brew. I am Inspector 12, and this is The Grist Mill. Gotta be in here somewhere. Stupid map, always... Ah, here it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. State Route 13, right where it should be. I knew I was. I knew it! Just don't answer me. All right, all right. Get a grip on yourself. This can't go wrong. Not now, right, Nicholas? It can't. Hello? Mix, is that you? Mr. Pierce... Before you say anything... Say anything? I'm not gonna say anything, you worthless bum! I'm gonna scream it! Before you say anything, just let me explain. Are you on the way to cover that fire at Columbia? It was out hours ago, boss. I don't want to hear that it's out. I want to read that it's out in tomorrow's paper. I gave you an assignment. I know. And you walk out on me? Again? Mr. Pierce, you gotta listen to me. You and I both know I'll never get my byline back covering fires and police blotter stuff. I gotta file something big. This is not a comic book about a newspaper. It's the real world, Nick. And in the real world, reporters don't shirk their assignments and go off on wild goose chases. It's not a wild goose chase. You didn't let me finish. They don't go off on wild goose chases and keep their job. Boss, you can't fire me. Not now. You promised me another chance. And I gave you another chance. And you've been doing great until now. Yeah, on Penny Any Fires and regional page eight stuff. This is big. You gotta give me a chance to chase this one down. You can't just fire me. Nick, pretty soon, I'm not gonna have a choice. I- I'm onto something really hot. Wait until you hear it. It better not be that Barbara Payne woman again. Ah, Nick. Don't tell me it's that. You think she's crazy. Everyone thinks she's crazy. Well, okay, but so what? If half of what she says is true... She rants about grave robbing and zombies and... Wait a minute. You're in the car, aren't you? Yeah, I can hear you're in the car. I bet you're driving north to Barrington right now. I got it all set up. I'm going undercover at the graveyard where she said it all happened. All I need is two days, and I'll... You don't have two days! You don't have today! But wait until you hear it! Nick! I'm sorry. I admit, I pumped up your hopes too much when you came in here, telling you all that stuff about one day, you'll have your column of your own... I'll get there. You'll see. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Not everyone can do this job. Not everyone can take the pressure. Yeah, but I can't. I'm the best damn reporter you got, Mr. Pierce, and I'm gonna prove it to you again. Nick, this hurts me, but I gotta say it. You got drunk when I needed you most. I... I know. Then you took off from the political convention. Didn't turn up for days. I know. That coal mine collapse. We give you a ticket to West Virginia, and I find you 24 hours later in a bar two blocks from the paper. 
Your hands were shaking so bad that I, I was going- I know! Please. Look, you gotta give me one more chance. I mean, this is big. It's just a job, Nick. It does that to some people. I'll file in two days. See me when you get back. Two days. Be waiting for it. Goodbye. You better leave space in Section A, because this is going to be big, Mr. Pierce? Mr. Pierce? It does that to some people, he says. I'll show him. I'll show him. A little more now, not too much. Don't cheat the customers, that's what I always say. There. How'd I do? Not bad. Not bad at all. You're used to hard work. Hey, it doesn't take much to work a shovel. You don't think this is ditch digging, do you, boy? Of course not. What is it then? Let me hear you say it. We're digging graves. Well, how'd it do first day? Not too bad. Twas time, though, of course, when you'd just be an apprentice now. I suppose this is just a paycheck to you, ain't it? Well, it's a job. You plan on sticking around? I ain't thought about it. I just came into town last week. Usually I go through Sexton's assistants like a horse goes through flies. They call me Nick. I'd prefer Mr. Mix, if it's all the same. And... You can call me Mr. Barnard. Hey, can I ask you a question, Mr. Barnard? Yeah? What happened to the guy whose place I'm taking? That'd be poor Bobby. Simply was. Retarded. Strong as bull, though, and he'd work all day long. Had to let him go. That's the thing. See, there's this diner downtown. Maxine's? Mm-hmm. I know the place. Well, there's this waitress... She said you had some kind of trouble out here. Something about a grave? Good night, Mr. Mix. Oh, come on. If I'm going to be working out here, I have to know all the deep, dark secrets. Maxine didn't know exactly what it was. She said you'd know, though. She said it was awful. You seem to be enjoying this, Mr. Mix. Hey, I'm curious, like anyone. But I think you should tell me about it if we're going to work together and everything. Besides, if you just stay all stone-faced about it, people will make up their own stories. You know how small towns are. I've lived in this small town on my whole life, Mr. Mix. I know exactly how they are. I also know that Maxine French probably told you the whole story. Why don't you just start by telling me what she said? Well, there was this lady in town. Her father was some kind of mayor or alderman or something two towns over. Well, a couple of weeks ago, he comes to town to see a friend here. And darn if he doesn't keel over from a heart attack right in front of a friend's house. Well, the friend didn't find him. The cops did. And the crazy thing is, he didn't have his wallet on him. So they bury him out here as a, a whatchamacallit, a, a pauper. Well, a week goes by, the guy's daughter starts to worry. So she starts snooping around town here and they figure out what's happened. Well, everyone's very apologetic and everything, and they decide to dig up her dad so we can have a good funeral and everything, and then... And then what, Mr. Mix? Well, is it true? I mean, that they dug him up and found this coffin full of dog bones and bags of hair and whiskey bottles? That's what they're saying over at Maxine's, is it? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the daughter blabbed about it to anyone that would listen. Wanted everyone to know what was going on. Wanted your head on a platter. Her grief made her a very difficult woman. It wasn't her fault. Well? Well what, Mr. Mix? You gonna tell me what happened? I mean, we're gonna be working together. I think I'm entitled to know. Where the bodies are buried, uh, as they say. Entitled to know? Entitled? You've been here one day, and you presume tell me I have to speak to you? Hey, don't get all huffy. I had to let poor Bobby go because that awful event. Now you want me to dredge it up for your amusement? No, sir. 
Plenty more young backs can walk a shovel. Oh, come on, man. You are released of your duties. Good night, Mr. Max. Don't do me like that. Good night. Mr. Barnard. I said good night. Look, the next guy's going to ask about it too, Mr. Barnard, and the next guy and the guy after that. You got enough in that old back to bury this town? It seems to me there's a lot of old people around here. Going to be a lot of work. <sighs> if you only knew. If you only knew. So tell me. You see that tree? You mean that big one? The one with the branch sticking out like that? Hey, yeah. That there's the hanging tree. Used to do away with our criminals by throwing rope over that limb. Never snapped the necks, though. Town fathers didn't believe in it. Pull them up slow. Watch their faces turn purple. Watch their legs kick. Seen the last hanging we had in this town when I was a boy. Now that ground's the spot we bury our paupers in. That ground there, it's never been consecrated. Understand? I think. Yeah. You got watch, Mr. Max? What? Oh, sure. Tonight, 12.30, you be there under that hanging tree, and I'll show you why them things was in that grave. Yeah. Okay. Where is he, the old buzzard? What's that? Hello, Mr. Mix. You come, then. Good. Since you're new in town, I'll introduce you. Nicholas Mix, this here's his honor, Mayor Brady. Hello. And the town constable, Pete Connor. You sure about him, Cyrus? Sure as I can be, Chief. You and them that follow you want things to stay the same. You'll need young'uns like Mr. Mix here to carry on my part, won't you? And, uh, what part is that, exactly? You look scared, boy. Are you scared? Nah. No. Hmm. Always been a liar and a brave man, huh? You should be scared, Mr. Nicholas. You should be scared because I'm going to show you something only people in our position ever see. We put old Billy Pretty in the ground right where you're standing about a month ago. Billy begged for liquor money outside Connor's tavern. Fell asleep in the alley one night just before Nor'easter came through. Blew right down out of Canada and froze him to death right where he lay. Don't worry, though. We don't put his type deep. You... You mean you want me to dig him up? You wanted to see, didn't you, boy? It's all there for you to see. Just got to dig. Hey! Hey! Hey, I hit it! I hit it! Cyrus! Go ahead. Come on, Bob. Down in the hole. Hey! Get out of my way, boy. What the heck's the hurry? Just keep out their way. Well, Cyrus? That's the one, all right. Lordy, I've been waiting for this. It's been weeks. I think you're getting to like this stuff a bit too much. Shut up! Just shut up. Here, here now. Take it easy, both of you. Stand back. Got to be Sexton that does the opening. You still want to see it, boy? What the heck is going on? Here's Crowbar. Find out for yourself. Oh, my God! God! 
that's the stuff. That's the stuff. What the heck is that? We call that pupus, or bone sac. What's all that stuff? That garbage? Not a bit of it's garbage. Three bags of hair, one of a wolf, one of a mad dog, and one of a man. Quite a bit of yeast, uh, that's for your fermentation, and then some fruit and sugar to soften the taste. That's for our mayor there. And those empty bottles? What are they for? You can't have Gravedigger's brew except from them bottles that cured with the pupus. Won't work otherwise. You mean this is some kind of moonshine? Hardly. It's Gravedigger's brew, boy. Ancient tradition. It's a force of nature as old as the pyramids and as powerful as tornado. You ever wonder why we still bury folks in this day and age? Why we don't just burn them or invent some new way? Country put man on the moon, yet we still plop them in the ground like it was 1776. This is why, boy. For centuries, town fathers and town sexton have kept a pact. We would provide, they would consume. And for this secret, we got law and order in this town. What does it do? It's power, boy. Power you couldn't imagine. It gives you the power of life and death. But is it a drug? <laughs> <laughs> no, boy. Drugs and liquor, they just let you borrow. This gives it to you whole. And you're going to keep on giving it to us. Old Cyrus wants to retire, so he's going to teach you how to make it. And you'll make it for us, won't you? You have to. Don't snivel at him. Like Cyrus said, our forefathers have kept this pack for hundreds of years. Of course he'll make it for us. And what if I don't? Cyrus, what if I don't? There's plenty on the sexton side of the bargain, Nicholas. Town fathers, they pay for their brew with money and more. What you got in your life that's so good that you'd pass up the chance to do this? You want to know? I'll tell you, you geezers, you sick, twisted buzzards. My name's Nick Ramirez. Barbara Payne put me on to this story. You remember Barbara Payne, don't you, Chief Connor? That was the little witch that caused all the trouble. Who are you? I'm a reporter from New York. She knew she wasn't going to get any straight answers from you clowns, so she contacted my editor. We both figured it'd be easy to go undercover. We just didn't know how easy. You've been had, Cyrus. Your sick backwards rituals are going to be splashed on headlines from coast to coast. Do something, Cyrus. I've recorded our entire conversation. You have any comment, Your Honor? Listen, you don't understand. We can work this out. What do you want, money? I have what I want. Now, if you'll excuse me, gentlemen... I'll kill you. I'll kill you right where you stand! Gentlemen, I've been observing your fine village for many days now. And I've come to the conclusion about you. None of you have the guts. Good evening. You're making a mistake. Tell it to Ted Koppel when he knocks on your door. Buzzards. This is it. Finally, this is it. I see some tape left here. Maybe I can come up with a lead. Let's see. Uh, in the misty New England graveyard. Nah, that's no good. Let's see. Death came to a small town this week as local authorities in Barrington were indicted... Nah, that sounds like Associated Press. Yeah, what are those guys doing now? Oh my god, they're drinking that stuff! Yeah, enjoy it, you sickos! It's gonna be your last one! And Brett Hicks. Hey. Where'd they go? They ran away, of course they ran away! It's getting cold. Question. What did they think they were going to do with this gravedigger's brew? Be sure to contact that psychologist at the university. Should be worth a couple of quotes. Come back to town for quotes from the local yokels. Didn't think he had it in him, that sort of thing. Hey! 
You better knock it off! You'll only make it worse! What the? What is that? There's three of them! Oh god, there's three of them! Oh please, just let me! Please! Oh, God. Oh, dear God. Shut up already. It was the only way. But look what we've done to him. Do you remember it, Connor? I don't remember any of it. I remember everything. Cyrus, are you supposed to black out like that? I don't remember anything. Brew affects different folks different ways. And if you don't mind my saying so, Chief Connor, looks to me like you've had enough. I don't need any more tonight. Brew's power's got to be controlled. It's to keep order in the community. It's to keep order in the world. Look at his eyes! Chief Connor? Do you hear me, Chief Connor? Just leave me. Leave me with my kill! Come on! What? I've seen that look before. Brew does that to some people. Just walk away. But you said... Walk away! Just does that to some people. It does that to some people. Now there's a drink that's truly hair of the dog. And wolf. And men. We do, however, warn our listeners not to try this at home. One hangover from this stuff, and your wish to be dead will quickly come true. Grave Diggers Brew was written by Jeffrey Adams and starred Don DeMay, Doug Weeks, Steve Bertello, and Dean Pintorno. Music by Hollis Higgins. Sound design by Scott Higgins. I leave you now with another word of caution. Think well before indulging in the spirits. The fire in some waters can come from the very depths of the earth. As the fires do with us. Here at the Grist Mill. So there we are, part of the Grist Mill series from AMFM Theatre and Scott Hickey. So a very quick reminder, Nadsrim starts on the 1st of February and because we love you so much, we're giving you an extra day this year, 29th of February, to make sure that everything is all wrapped up. Do find us at the usual places, Twitter, sonicsociety.org or you can email us at sonicsociety at gmail.com it's all there please do send us an email do send us anything you want to we love to hear from you and so now from all of us here at the sonic society i'm david alt wishing you a very happy week and see you next time Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt. 
with original music by Sharon B at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. There we go. That sounds better. Right. Catch you soon. In this time of COVID-19, CDC asks you keep your hands clean. Don't congregate and kindly shelter in place. Also wash your hands and don't touch your face. So use soap and water and grab a clean towel. And don't be a Jonah. Prevent spread of corona by washing your hands. Olay! This was a public service announcement from the Mutual Audio Network.